Borak Dumb Earthless. My name's Connor Lux and my friend Fox, and this is the 151st episode of Space Spinner 2000. Podcast for two Americans trying to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for June and July 1986, progs 475 to 478. This time, Strontium Dog heads to the mines, Bad City Blows, Judge Anderson makes a hard decision, and Ace Truckin' can't stop here, this is Rambo Country. Man, uh, you know, that Bad City Blows is a total double entendre. Oh! I, <laughs> I think possibly even a triple, but uh... <laughs> hey, if you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, the Complete Case Files 10, Strontium Dog, SD Agency Files 3, The Complete Ace Trucking Volume 2, Judge Anderson, the Sci Files Volume 1, 2008 Extreme Edition 14, and the Sooner or Later Collection. Damn. And yeah, it's a triple lot because the guy's named Blue. Um, ah. The place blows up. And then there's like a nice blowjob reference. Speaking of which, oh, I was gonna say maybe it's four four ways because I was <laughs> definitely saying that it sucks ass. Oh yeah, and it blows too. Okay, yeah, four <laughs> quadruple entendre. Speaking of which, <laughs> through one bad city blue. Oh man, I can't wait for us to start talking about this ape Neanderthal man that used to be <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner is Craig Lip. Art robot Robin Smith, letting robot Steve Potter. Okay, Where Fox. Do you think they come up with these weird names for the script people. Sorry, I'm, I just don't want no, to. No, um, some, sometimes they're just sort of like names that they've heard someplace, or there's like little references to them or something like that. I forget. Mm. Like, I know like TB Grover has some deeper meaning to like John Wagner or something, but I forget what it is exactly. Hmm. Okay. But so the, the asteroid yeah. city of Bader City is on a course to hit a black hole, and there's nothing we can do about it. Well, there is, but it doesn't matter. Well, okay, you could go down through the central core of the city, and but you'd have to fight your way through all the slum guys to get there, and then enter a precise series of commands to activate the asteroid's engines. I like blow, how blow passive-aggressive... How passive aggressive this fucking doctor is because he's yeah. like, oh, we can't do it, but then we can do it. But also, that's why I kept you alive. So why did we even have this conversation to start with? Well, because he's doing some passive aggressive like, oh, but you're probably too dumb to handle it. And Blue's <laughs> like, no, me, Blue, caveman, future speaking, brud, me, me hit buttons. <laughs> that's, so basically, he is too stupid. <laughs> sort of. Anyhow, Blue volunteers and the smart people that saved him are skeptical. They still agree to help him. And then there's a two-day training montage. We learn that the old man that saved dirt, this dirty blue guy is the is Supreme Engineer Bader, the guy who built the whole city in the first place. But he left the council early because cool he saw title. the folly of its uh, experiments, basically, coming to live here in the Jung Dome. Which, I guess, is the failure of the experiments, but then everyone left and he... Wants to save it. He's, but he he stayed behind. He doesn't like the city, but still wants to save it just because maybe he doesn't want to die. Maybe he doesn't, uh, you know, want his this thing that he built to be finally destroyed. Sure. Anyhow, training montage Justin complete. <laughs> yeah, blue suits up and prepares for battle. He re-enters the city and is back on the robot's screen, and it's time for the final fight. Man, oh man, let's. What's gonna happen? I guess. Yeah. 
Dirty Blue heads into the city, looking for entrances to the core. He's blasting gang members and button men as he goes. There's two button men left, Braid and Tecco. Uh, Braid finds Blue first, and after some uh, brief banter and scuffling, Blue throws a jagged piece of, like, glass or metal or something into (laughs) uh, Braid's face. It's pretty cool, honestly. Blue then enters the core with visions of how he'll be the hero of the city. Once he saves it, they'll call it like a like a bad city, like blue bad city or something like that. Whatever. Bad blue um, city. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so he arrives at the console thing. He enters the button combinations when suddenly the final button man, Teko, bursts in and shoots him in the chest. Oh man, so, I'm I'm Teko. I got glasses and, and a mustache. That's how you know I'm the bad guy. That's right. Versus some other versus Blue's uh, heavy facial scarring. It's a it's a big showdown with Blue and Teko, and things look bad for Blue. But he's been successful in reigniting the asteroid's engines. Awesome. So they, yeah, they fire, and the force knocks over Teko, and then Blue bursts into action, killing the final button man. But, oh man, things are really looking up. Yeah, but then the city computer speaks. The boosters are not strong enough, and the city's still going to go into the black hole. There's no escape. Oh. Uh, Blue, Blue's bummed, and then, as his usual thing, la- starts laughing maniacally. So now he's going to be Black Hole Blue, and he'll spend the time yeah. he has left conquering the city, being the baddest ass in the whole asteroid, brud. Yeah, it's going to be great. But then the city explodes in an awesome full-page <laughs> picture. Oh, Which... bad, bad city blue, B-L-E-W. Oh, my God. I mean, all right. So, like... In the in what I can only say is like the coolest weapon since the gunchucks, you know, <laughs> like <clears throat> this this comic started out the gate like I was like this guy's awesome he's like beating up guys he's kind of like a future cop he's mm-hmm. like he's rad they I mean they blew their wad on like how can we make this the most eighties cool guy looking guy ever. Um, <laughs> And then and then put put forth a mystery for for you know down on his luck cop to kind of deal with, mm-hmm. and what we got out of it was like this kind of like lackluster thing where halfway through he became like an imbecile and yeah like but only after they removed the thing that made him like awesome but still curious right. like so he wasn't a bad guy when they when they took the button off of him. Right. Like he he was figuring it out and was like, oh, this is all bad. Maybe I got to get these guys to do a thing. So let's take this thing off. Make me stupid, I guess. (laughs) And then like all for naught. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about this comic because it like it started awesome. And then it ended just like I mean, I like a bad ending. And don't get me wrong, like black hole explosion asteroid is is pretty sweet. I'm all right with the sad ending. That's just like I didn't give a fuck. Yeah, I felt like this for for me this one really suffered from what I call uh Neil Stevenson syndrome. He's the guy what? that wrote uh he's the author that that wrote the book like a uh, Snow Crash and Zodiac and the, and the Cryptonomicon and a bunch of other things. Mm. But like I f- from in his novels I find that he's often really good at 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 uh, making characters that have really co- that are really cool and have cool day jobs. And then they kind of start having the plot and they have to leave their day jobs to deal with the plot and they become way less cool. And that's what Bad City Blue feels like, you know, so like, like, because like Snow Crash starts with this guy who is a, uh, who's like, 
a high speed pizza delivery man for the mob in the cyberpunk future, like okay. while sort of investigating like pop culture phenomenon and stuff. Oh, that's en- awesome. Yeah, it's cool. But then he ends up having to like travel around and deal with some sort of uh organic computer virus based on the history of language or something. And it's like, what? yeah, this is this is okay, but I just kinda wanna hear <laughs> like I'd be fine with his pizza, pizza delivering. Stories. Ad- ad- adventures, you know, yeah. and I feel like it's the same way with Bad City Blue, where like I kind of liked his um, traveling through this sort of dystopian mega city, taking out different gang members and stuff, as opposed to unraveling this conspiracy and then trying to save the world, you know, well, or like getting duped into it, right? Like, and I don't know, like because it, it feels so rushed. It's like he takes out a bunch of buttonmen so fast. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just like I could. I feel like they were like, "All right, we got to get this over with." Or the comic was only supposed to last for so many issues. Like I could feel. Yeah, I mean, this is very much pushing it. Yeah, this is very much a classic sort of you know like like a twelve issue um Mm -hmm. uh a a, a story you know where they just sort of like set up a situation you know have a beginning, middle, and an end, and then sort of end with a with a bang basically. You know. Yeah. Like this is it's just like. I started so stoked for it because it looked and seemed awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I hear you for sure. <laughs> yeah. Bummed. Anyhow, That's you know, yeah. Blows. It's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And also, it doesn't help itself by yeah, setting itself up with a uh, with one of those um, like easy to turn into an insult sort of cu- sort of titles, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like you might as well have a have a have something called uh, the vacuum or something because you'd be like, oh, the vacuum sucks. Yeah, <laughs> we really, we, you know what? We've we've finally done it. We finally crossed over uh, into just being a podcast into being full on critics. I've taken a name. I've turned it into uh, a descriptive title for an episode of something. Yeah, and so everyone knows how I feel about something. That's right. <laughs> Space Peanut 2000 Boys finally broken by Bad City Blue. Um, anyhow. Bad, bad, bad? Yeah. not really. But speaking of characters that do have cool day jobs, Fox, and then just do those day jobs. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It's Thrill 2, Anderson, Side Division. Goddamn, Anderson. Hands off the goods. Yeah. Uh, script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant is R. Clark, lettering robot Brett Ewins, or sorry, art robot Brett Ewins, lettering robot Tom Frame. Cassandra Anderson is fighting her way through a creepy magic castle in another labyrinth type move. She comes across three doors and concentrates and senses <laughs> the cries of the innocent Hammy Blish through one of them and makes her choice. She, and then in yet another labyrinth yeah, kind of play Exactly. Yeah, she runs through the door and down a corridor where dozens of hands reach out of the wall and attack her. Hey, don't get fresh. <laughs> she oh, blasts a couple and pushes her way through. <laughs> Anderson um, leaves the tunnel and heads to a giant creepy castle full of evil faces a surrounded face by circling temple. vultures and stuff. Yeah, it's real awesome. Um, and I, I, also, I also think it's kind of funny how... Um, even though there's like credit cards and stuff, when there's one big awesome picture, you and still signs it at the bottom. He just wants to make sure that you know that it's his. You know, <laughs> I did this. I did. I did. Uh, uh, face skull castle. That's right. <laughs> God, um, I love that all of them talk. 
They sass. Yeah, they, they, they all talk. Yeah, they all taunt Anderson. Uh, but luckily, the stone teeth of a gateway are no match for ju- for Justice Department high X rounds. <laughs> Anderson blows open the castle door and runs in as the faces tell her she's too late. And indeed, we see evil demon priests preparing to sacrifice Hammy Blish. Oh, I mean, they just they got a knife over this child. Yeah, it's tough. The sacrifice begins as the demons chant, and Anderson once more senses Hammy and follows his like psychic signal, being taunted as she goes. But she arrives just in time and shoots away the ceremonial dagger. But, ah, uh, we learned that the ceremony has advanced too far, and if Hammy dies by any demon hand in this world, the ceremony will be complete. I mean, and again, like, really don't... Under like okay, evil plan people out there, do not like just let the only choice be what what happens next. Because if you just ex- exposition somebody into that, you're gonna have a bad time, like these demons did. Well, I mean, you know, I, I so okay with basically <laughs> having learned this, Anderson realizes that she has no choice, and with tears in her eyes, she shoots oh. Hammy and kills the, him herself. But, I mean, I could see if you're a demon, you know, you got to assume, being all evil, that uh, good guys are weak and won't make hard decisions. So, hmm. you could sort of, you know, I bet like eight, like like four or five, four times out of five, you can get um, a, a hero just to sort of surrender in, in this situation. And, and, and they won't kill the kid, because that's just oh, that's like a, a bridge too far for them, you know? Hmm. Not for a mega city judge, though. <laughs> no, not for a mega city judge. But you know, there's only a brief period of time where you've got to deal with those judges versus like some kind of palate, some kind of lawful good paladin that's going to instead like. I can't hurt the boy, but I can't let the sacrifice take place. Yeah, so they'll just spend the rest of the game session sort of having a big discussion with the rest of the party, and we got to like bring out our <laughs> bring out our ethics textbooks to discuss this D and D game, and ugh, like this God, is the, the stuff God Conrad hates. Uh, but so. Action, please. The ceremony's ruined and Anderson has to run. Um, There's some... there's some clearly repeated panels of Anderson here, which I don't really like, but whatever, you know, make your, make your uh, deadlines as you can. Anderson runs through the, uh, the castle, but reaches a dead end, a window high above the ground. And once again, has no choice, but to jump. Yeah. Which I mean, is that really the only choice? I I mean, I guess there are a lot of demons. Yeah. Like she only has so much ammo at the very least. Yeah, that's true. Anderson jumps and just barely grabs the feet of one of the giant buzzards that fill the sky around the castle. <laughs> she uses. It happens to be like a neutral buzzard, not an evil yeah. buzzard. No, he's just chilling. He's just like you know. He he showed he's here for the bones, not for not because he <laughs> believes in anything. You know. <laughs> hey man, don't don't wrestle me into your weird demonic beliefs, man. Yeah, just some bird. <laughs> she uses her mind powers to get the bird to cooperate and flies off, but is pursued by flying demons. She Which, takes out. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty awesome. She takes out a few, but then loses her gun, and the demons start attacking the bird, and she falls, landing hard, breaking her leg. Oh, jeez. God, what am I, how will I get any support as I stare directly at this gnarled tree? I mean, I think she knows what she's going to do. Meanwhile, <laughs> back in Mega City 1, uh, the judges work to reopen the gateway to let Anderson escape. Cy Judge Walters forces the cultists to start chanting to reopen it. And after, like, some light murder, the cultists agree. Get those hoods <laughs> on and make with the mumbo jumbo. 
Well, so so what I what I love about all of this is, so they're just like, hey, you know, if you don't start chanting, we will shoot you. And they're like, oh, you can't do that. It's murder. And then they bring up, this is the first time I've heard of it, or at least maybe I like the first time I remember it. The Security yeah. of the City Act um, basically allows you to just shoot somebody if you think that the security of the city is at stake. Yeah, I mean, that That's makes awesome. That makes sense. I mean, especially in like this sort of like like Judge Dread world, you know, that you'd have something, you know, that like if someone was about to press a button and like, you know, pressing a button isn't illegal. But if the button causes the city to explode, you got to be able to shoot that guy, you know? I'm just saying if you got a twisted judge, that seems to be like the thing that you could just bring up all the time. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think there's probably standards for it, too, you know. Hmm. So I think if you if you pulled like, you know. And you, and I and I'm pretty sure that all these judges have to file paperwork for whatever they do. Oh yeah, I feel that's like, right. Judge Shredder's paperwork. Yeah, so I feel like if you kind of pull down like the oh yeah, like you know, vital A one security of the city summary execution. I think I think if you do that like twice in a week, <laughs> like you kind of they they start calling you in to sort of discuss things, you know. Like listen, you can't just keep using this. It's we're great. We're really grateful that you're you're taking the law so gingerly, but you just can't have executions whenever you want. You know, like they got standards for this stuff, right? That's how they Beautiful. manage to keep the citizens going along with them as much as they do. <laughs> That's how we stay a fascism, goddammit. Yeah, come on. You can't go ultra. You, you, you can't just be murdering everybody in the streets level. That's too much. <laughs> Yeah, I, that's like Judge Cow. You know what I'm saying? Anyhow, just enough fascism. Yeah, exactly. Chef's kiss. Um, Anderson, <laughs> even with a broken leg, is still able to kill um, one of these flying demons with her boot knife. God, awesome. Then she—it's real boss. Then she fashions a crutch with a tree branch and starts limping to the gateway as the demons of this world mobilize to take her down. And the gate isn't working. Shit. With in a very badass move, with only her knife and crutch, Anderson turns on the advancing demon horde. Okay, who's first? But <laughs> then shots ring out. It's Walters. He saves Anderson, and there's some more reused panels here. And then mm. the uh, the two side judges return to Mega City One, and the gate is destroyed. Anderson is like pissed off at Walters. It should have been his case, and she's also yeah. sad about having to kill Hammy Blish. But you know, if the if demons had killed him, the whole city would have been destroyed. So she had no choice. Just anyway, like yeah, yeah, moral morals now wrapped up. Time to get these guys to ISO. I will say that um, Anderson doing this will echo through her character, sort of for the you know for the in the future, basically, this is something really? that she Ooh. holds herself accountable for for a long time to come. Oh, that's but, awesome! Character yeah, development. Se- yeah, and seriously, you cultists on your broomsticks. It's thirty years in the cubes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's that's the end of Judge Anderson. Judge Anderson will return in Prague four ninety six. Oh, not so long. I like Judge. I mean, this was great. Uh, I like it any time we go into, like, a demon-infested world, even if it was kind of just, like, a short deal. Yeah, I mean, it was sort of an in-and-out, but I, you know, I mean, we've talked about this before. I know I'm a big fan of when they bring in these um, magic and demon stuff into into Judge Dredd. I think it's really fun just sort of mixing this, like, fa- these fantasy elements with the heart, with the sci-fi elements of Judge Dredd, you know? Yeah, and I think, like, you put it well, where it's like, oh, it was kind of in-and-out. I'm like, well... Maybe that's just I like I because I think you've said this also. It was just like a regular day for yeah. a side judge. I mean, clearly because they have a fucking they have an exorcist squad. So <laughs> this is yeah, I mean, just as like we'll, for the course. 
as we're about to see, just, you know, there comes a point where, yeah, you just call in the side judges the same way that if something gets skilled, like, you know, if you're, like, if there's a murder, you just call in the mur- the, the homicide squad, you know? Like, they have these specific departments, fair. and they make use of them, you know? That's great. I, I mean, yeah. I'm into it. I can't wait to see, like, any of the other ones. I guess there was, like, like as an example, the Holocaust squad, right? Like, you just send them in to deal with the worst things. Yeah, and we've seen, like, tech judges and things like that. Mm. I think those are the big ones, you know? Oh, man. We haven't seen tech judges in a while, have we? Or, like, uh, like SJS, like, who, who are, like, internal oh, yeah. affairs and stuff. Mm. You know, they there's stuff which, out there. Which last mentioned was when they reformed the council. There was an SJS member on the council. Yeah, well, because because uh, Magruder was an SJS, and then they sort of moved in. That's right. I yeah, think a new guy was actually from the academy where he taught mm. like applied violence or something. Like yeah, that. <laughs> it was like applied violence on like citizenry or something. Something yeah. really fucked up. Good times, yeah. And speaking of calling inside Division Fox, it's Thrill Three Judge Dread. Oh hell yeah! Oh, God. Yeah. Kev O'Neill just makes the most interesting-looking <laughs> It's true. Uh, so, script about John Wagner and Alan Grant is T.B. Grover. Art robots Kev O'Neill, Ian Gibson is Q Twerk, and Cam Kennedy. Letting robot Tom Frame. So, a cursed Earth mutant has set himself up as a fake cargo cult-style Judge Dredd. The real Judge Dredd showed up and tried to put a stop to it. But now, he's been captured, accused of being a jimp, which is a fake judge, and tied to a burning stake. Man, I love Tooth Man. He's just screaming, burn, Jim, burn! There's so many crazy mutants in here that uh, o- O'Neill draws. It just he's... feels like a like a action figure destruction romp. <laughs> totally. We see a quick flashback as Dredd is apprehended and his bike destroyed. Oh, no! Dredd's sentenced to death because the mutant says he's the real Judge Dredd. The mutant <laughs> prepares to shoot Dredd with his own lawgiver. No Ooh. one tell him. And, but instead <laughs> decides on the stake burning. Uh, luckily, Dredd never gives up, Fox. I think we all know that. Uh, yeah. In the most awesome way of not giving up. Yeah. Tied to the stake, he just pulls his boot knife out, cuts his bonds, steals a gun, and while still on fire, starts killing all these <laughs> mutants. It's fucking awesome. And only once he's killed enough of them does he run to a water tank, slide underneath it, shoot it, take a shower, and then get kicked in the face. By the by, the fake Judge Dredd who shows up. And now it's time for a showdown. Luckily, the showdown goes real quick because the Jimp tries to shoot Dredd with his own gun and it explodes in his hand. Oh my, it's awesome. This is a, was this, is this the first time? No, I mean, the gun exploded like pretty early on just to show that it could, you Uh, know, Mm. but it doesn't happen that much. I was actually having, having a conversation about with this, about, um, about this with somebody like you rarely see it happen because everybody in Mega City One knows that it happens. So no one even (laughs) tries to use a lawgiver because everybody, you know, everybody knows it's going to blow up in your hand. It's only like this dude out in the cursed earth who only knows Judge Dredd from comic books. And like maybe they didn't talk about this in issue one of 3000 AD. (laughs) Doesn't Mm. know about it, you know? Oh, my God. Yeah, I guess it just got glossed over. It's still awesome, especially when he loses an arm and then falls into like a laser thing. Yeah, he just well, you know, he kind of gets his arm blown off, and that's you, and that's just about it for him. You know, it's hard to come it's back. Usually from enough. That. Yeah. <laughs> so things wrap up pretty quick after this. Dread arrests that couple that didn't pay their exit taxes, commandeers mm-hmm. the water trunk, 
truck and starts for the long drive back to Mega City One. There's only one Judge Dredd, buddy. Uh, you know, the one thing that I wish had happened, I mean, maybe there's a reason for it, but I, I wish he had grabbed the fake chin and just, like, ripped it off at some point. <laughs> just to like, expose him for the uh, for the fraud that he is? Just to be like, hey, that's patented. Th- that would be cool. It'd be super It'd be super gory, too. That's what I like. Oh, yeah, um, that's actually kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> so, next up, a lady falls to her death, and she's identified as Adele Dahl. Dreads on the scene. He knows her. He responded to yeah. a call from her a while ago. Adele's pretty rich. Sees she's rich from billing. Basically, she prepares a bill for billing services and sends it out. Uh, it looks very official, and enough people think that they're real bills to pay them, which allows her to live comfortably. And apparently uh, it's completely legal. She checked on Google before filing yeah. for her business. Well, because she did do the billing services. They just weren't requested by anybody, you know? Like... <laughs> Anyhow, it's mostly big companies where there's a lot going on, so they sort of slip through the cracks. Or in this case, the uh, the recently deceased, where there's sort of you know things moving around with the person with the dead person's estate, so they're just mm. sort of paying things off as they come in, and people don't really know what the situation is. Which you know that sounds just really above board. <laughs> Seems real ghoulish, but hey, you got to make money, I guess. Wow, wow. <laughs> she doesn't. Wow. Ha- she doesn't. She doesn't criticize Judge Dredd about his job, and he's killed tons of old people. <laughs> you know. Fantastic. So she bills the estate of Jasper Peck, uh, and in, in um, as payment, she gets his coffin with his body inside. Yikes! Whoa. Not not the kind of payment she was hoping for, but hey, no. you know what? Let's send it back, give him a rebill. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and and a charge for shipping and handling fees. When she does that, then she gets two bodies back as payment for these new bills. Oh, jeez. She's getting There's real angry. Bodies. Yeah. Why didn't you call the cops? Well, like, I didn't want them to step in. Plus, now these folks owed me a lot of money. I just like how she sort of <laughs> made up this business and is now getting very like, like, listen, I got a boss that I have to report to. But no, she's just sort of doing it on her own. It's fantastic. <laughs> she at the Peck house. The family denies any knowledge of the bodies or the bills and kick her out with the corpses. And there's a third Oof. one waiting for her when she gets home. Super great. Dread takes the bodies and agrees to have them checked out. He's got forensics look at them. None of them are Jasper Peck. They're all recently dead bodies that have been processed by Recyc and apparently put back together. And uh, all the letters that Adele received were signed by the dead Jasper Peck. What? How the hootin' heck? Yeah, it's weird stuff. And so Dredd knows what to do, which is, of course, call Side Division, like we were talking about previously. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta bring him in. Gotta gotta see if you got a specter or perhaps a poltergeist. Yeah, like this situation seems weird, involves corpses. Like, we better call call Side Division here. This isn't street judge (laughs) business, you know? It's fantastic. Yeah, it seems Dahl is being haunted by Peck, who was offended by her bills. The judges offer an exorcism, but Dahl will hear nothing of it. And when, but when she returns uh. to her apartment, Dahl finds it full of coffins, which then open, and she gets attacked by zombies. Oh my god, it was definitely a ghost. <laughs> they, <laughs> really, actually. Yeah, they chant, pay up Adele, and the angry zombies pursue her to the window of her apartment, which she falls out and falls to her death as the zombies laugh at her. Well, and hey, I guess. As she, paid in full. As she falls, yeah, a bill marked paid in full falls after her. The oh, end. <laughs> wow. This is really, uh, it's really fucked up. Yeah, it's, but not, it's I, tough stuff. 
I feel like the the next story, the art of Kenny Who, is pretty fucked. <laughs> I just want to say that I like this one because it's got both like crazy zombie stuff and crazy uh, just citizens and Mega City One stuff, which are both things right? I really like in my Judge Dread. I, you know, I like the idea that that starting a business. Like, because they didn't close this off as like, well, you can't have this business anymore. No, like, still open. You can uh, definitely keep billing people. <laughs> it's fantastic. I yeah, I, I like that. That it's actual ingenuity. It's a very um, it's it's not as genius as like Auto Sump, Mm-mm. let's say. Um, but it's definitely the fact that it's above board is is I find very acceptable. And I really like just how she keeps making little excuses to herself or little things to say, you know, like, oh, I, oh, I mean, I she could, is unfazed. She, she's like, I could have gotten a robot to do this billing for me and put out thousands of bills every day. But instead, I just did. I just did it myself by hand. And it was just 100 per day. That's all. I'm not greedy. You know, <laughs> living, living a life of excess. That's right. But hey, speaking of people trying to make it in this big world, Fox, at the Mega City One Atlantic Tunnel, a fellow from the Caledonian Hab Zone has arrived. It's Kenny Who, a comic artist, here in the Meg to make his fortune. Man, I, there's just, I they kind of hit it on the fucking head when he first gets there. It's like, we got a 98% unemployment rate. Why are you here? Yeah. Uh, Dred's working the customs desk. He's not impressed. He looks at Kenny's portfolio and says it's weird stuff that he doesn't like. <laughs> Which, look, if if uh, if Judge Dredd looks at something that you've done and says that it's weird and he doesn't like it, you're basically just going to get hounded for the entirety of your stay here. It's, it's true. Like, yeah, he sends Kenny straight to advanced processing. They strip him down, make him vomit. Eventually, just let him into the city <laughs> on a 24-hour permit of which he's lost three hours of already. Kenny love that they ru- just bill him for the time he's already been in the city. Yeah. Kenny rushes to Big One Publishing and steals himself to show off his portfolio. But before he can go in, look out! It's a botter! A oh very God. bitey mega citizen gets loose and attack Ken and attacks Kenny. <laughs> the citizens start cheering him on when the uh, when everybody hears Kenny's accent, asking to get to, to, to let him off. Oh my God. Um, a judge soon arrives and takes the bite and, and removes the biter using this crazy uh, jaw jack thing. <laughs> and then Kenny's got to wait another three hours to get rabies shots. So, having lost all this time, he arrives back again at Big One just in time for the office to close for the day and the doors be shut in his face. Oh, how horrible. <laughs> Kenny laments his fate outside of Big One when the door opens and the robot doorman agrees to let him in. After some quick Abbott and Costello stuff about Kenny Who's name, the editor looks over Kenny's stuff and Kenny has like a a cup of synth calf and like basically just passes out from tiredness from all this traveling Mm. and hassle. But when he wakes up, the editor breaks it to him like, "Uh, Kenny, your stuff isn't that great. We aren't going to hire you. Robots can do it for better and faster. You should just go back oh, to Calhab. Oh, man. Kenny's real sets yeah. up uh, a time for murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at a local bar, Kenny drinks and feels sorry for himself as um, he feels his dream has died. He's sitting next to a guy that a uh, forums member, Whizbang, uh, I believe has correctly identified as John Wagner, oh. the Dread writer. Because, uh, sorry, well... Because Kenny Dream has died when on a news report we see that Big One has announced a new artist, Jimmy Who, 
And this who just, who draws just like Kenny. Kenny's angry. Big One has stolen his talent. He grabs a nearby axe and heads back to Big One. I don't know where that axe was. He just kind of, it just appears. He chops down the door and the doorman and stalks through the building. I'm coming for you, Kenny who? And he's just, he's looking crazy. Totally. Next time, who, what, where, and mainly, why? Fantastic. So something to know about this Kenny Who story, Fox, Mm. is that apparently it's Cam Kennedy's autobiographical story of when he went to New York City to try to sell his portfolio and become hired on as an artist at the big uh, American comic companies. Oh, really? Yeah, so... I, I haven't been able to find, like, an actual, like, real-life account of what happened, I guess. But, um, like, you know, it's pretty clear, like, Kennedy came in, he had trouble with um, with customs and then with, like, random city citizens and then got his stuff rejected and noticed suddenly that, like, Marvel was putting out a bunch of stuff that looked a lot like his art style, you know? Uh... And so part of it is like Shady the guy business, the, the guy drowning his sorrows is John Wagner, just sort of like, you know, the people back home being like, oh, yeah, I can appreciate like what's going on with you, buddy. You know, Damn. Um, like I um, for next episode, I'll try to figure out what, what, what the exact story is. We can sort of compare them or something. But I think it's just okay. and, but, but 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 that's sort of the backstory for this Kenny who who thing is that's that fascinating you know, and really Ken- unfortunate. Yeah, it's sort of Ken- uh, Kenny Kennedy. You see how it is. Um, <laughs> although uh, eventually Cam Kennedy will sort of go to the states, and he does a he's done a bunch of uh, DC and Marvel stuff. Although at this point he's not he 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 didn't really get get famous for it in the way that say maybe uh, Bolland or Gibson did, for instance. Oh sure, yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> speaking of further disappointments, Fox. Oh yeah, take that. It's non brules <laughs> covers and nerve center. Damn. Prog 475, I said hands up. An injured Judge Anderson attacked by wall hands in another iconic Brett Ewins cover. This one gets shown a lot in um, like in sort of collections of famous Dread covers and, or 2008 covers and stuff. I can't hardly imagine as to why that would be, Conrad. Yeah, listen, if you want like, a, uh, like, a, like, like someone at a convention to draw you a naked Anderson, this is a decent uh, starting point. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> um <laughs> In the nerve center, Thorg mentions the start of a new ace trucking story. There's a picture of a Judge GBH dead, and there are uh, letters settling the winged Viking helmet debate with a uh, past life. The address of a com- a, a request for the address of a comic shop in Glasgow, which I guess is, is what you had to do before there was Google, I guess. And then <laughs> questions about Max Bubba's weird face, and apparently, like his face is, has a loose film of skin around it. Um, oh, oh! Like, in case you're wondering, it was like a bag or a potato yeah. or something. No, no, no! It's got it's real gross. It's just oh. kind of got a whole bunch Mark of loose Conrad. stuff coming off of it. Ooh, stop! <laughs> now you see why I went evil, man. All right, uh, that's pretty <laughs> fair. Okay. In Prague 476, you'll pay for this dread. As Ian Gibson spent some sending some old bills in the future city. This really set up when I saw this. I thought that that it was going to be a very different comic yeah, than it turned it out. It kind of looks be. like Adele is like haunting dread with like bills or something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he's just got a bunch of invoices he has to pay. Yeah. 
In the nerve center, Tharg, jo- Tharg Jones thrills to the rhythm, th- to the rhythm like the Grace Jones song, and mm-hmm. mentions that a new nemesis will be starting soon. Ooh. Like next episode, I think actually. Oh, There's awesome. a picture of Judge Refrigerator Perry. A reader offers to answer questions for, for a very specific range of 2080 progs and specials and gets his street address <laughs> published. A, wow. uh, a, a female reader has to sneak around to, re- to steal her brother's 2000 AD. And another reader has Good returned word. to 2000 AD after dropping out when he turned 14, which is a very common 2080 letters feature these days. Someone who's dropped out now comes back and loves the oh. prog. Oh, okay. The uh, the preview for Nemesis is a it, um, is pretty fun. There's a guy covered in Torquemada buttons asking Nemesis to return in front of a bunch of like <laughs> like uh, the mighty Torquemada comics and like uh, you know Candida Women's Daily like magazines and stuff. Jesus. And then there's a huge set, and next to that, I thought it was funny. There's this huge set of rules for a Heinz ketchup contest to go to Disney World celebrating oh, yeah. the hundredth anniversary of ketchup. <laughs> Man, there are uh, there are some attractions that they show that are not there anymore. That that Disney Disney World, Epcot, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. There's also a big old full page ad for the sci fi special, which of course we've covered already. Prog Force, yeah, Prog Four Seventy Seven. Man bites Jock. Jings. Uh, Cam what? Kennedy draws Kenny Who in very plaid cover. <laughs> in the that's actually that's very true. It's very yeah, plaid. In the nerve center, uh, a uh, sorry, a, uh, a a just plain no embellishments. The mighty one welcomes us aboard to the prog and is sad about the end of Bad City Blue. There's another uh, idea of Dread's dark secret. This time, that Dread's sort of a robot with a little man in his head controlling him. Giant nose. Yeah, letters seem to confuse bigamy with polygamy. There's oh. more. <laughs> which is comp, yeah, whatever. There's more like r- spottings of 2000 AD stuff on this off Vita Zane pet TV show. And there's questions mm-hmm. about the timing between P. Smith's farewell comic and the start of Bad City Blue. Huh. Just because, I don't know, like when that when, when that comic came out, they said like, oh, it'd be six months before it came out. Like they, like, 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 like Robin Smith was given or Robot Robin Smith was given Bad City Blue to do because it would be six months until one of the other art droids freeze up. But then it took right. six months for the comic to come out. So it's like, well, why, well, where's the time saving, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's got to do with like uh, the vagaries of how long it takes for things to get made. Just, you know, like, don't be a jerk. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, Good wine takes time, although in this case, bad wine also takes some time. <laughs> Prog 478, he's mad, Max. Angel of this Death. Is awesome. Yeah. Angel of Death Johnny Alpha is coming after Max Bubba. And I guess it's all because of like Beyond Thunderdome had just come out. Because I feel like we're seeing mm. a lot of Mad Max stuff recently, like references to it and stuff. Yeah, of course. Although Beyond Thunderdome. Hmm. I mean, you know, it's fine. It is fine. Like, it's exactly fine. It's I feel, it's it's better than like a lot of things that I could mention that's post apocalyptic. I feel <laughs> anything like anything with David Carradine such a death race. <laughs> I feel like the sci fi style of Beyond Thunderdome really fits in with two thousand AD though. So if, yes, if, absolutely. If that makes sense, right? Yes. One hundred and ten percent. Like, like, fuck, like uh, both the grim and grittiness, but also kind of the oca- the occasional parts, like having really <laughs> big ambition, but but not being that great, you know, like all yeah. like every single way, in every way, you know, yeah, I mean? or just <laughs> being really fucking bizarre. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Like, what's going on here? There are children in a cave and fucking, like, they have records? What is what is this? Exactly. In the nerve center, Tharg's future shot, or we meet Tharg's future locks, which is a zebra stripe, sort of tall mohawk. Mm. Tharg mentions the climax of Judge Anderson and several contest winners. There's a digital picture of Judge Anderson and letters Pretty request cool. back issues, no dice. Someone's finally <laughs> someone's finally mentioned all the little Bellardinelli Easter eggs scattered around Ace Trucking, finally. And there's God. a request for art droids to rate reader art. No dice again. Ooh, yeah. That's like it's like a not ever I feel like if you're like an artist worth their salt, you're not gonna critique a child's drawings. Well plus you gotta remember that like there's no email or anything like that, and most of these writer mm. right uh writers are like freelancers or work out of their homes or something. So you'd have to like ah. you'd have to like you know, messenger these uh, these like pieces to the artists for them to see them and all this stuff would just be a big hassle. Even if you wanted to do it, even if you wanted to do it, it'd be a big hassle. <laughs> just like some of these are going to Spain and some of these are going to Italy and some of these stay right here. Exactly. Although I think most of these guys are, you know, at least vaguely local. Uh, okay. Mid Prague is a huge list of contest winners. Two pages and six contests. Congrats to everybody. Enjoy your mega clocks. Damn. <laughs> and copies of the Judge Dredd role-playing game and all that other stuff. Oh, yeah. I forgot they did that whole clock thing. I mean, that was just last episode. Some of these ones are from months yeah. ago. It's crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, hey, speaking of uh, going to Disneyland, Fox, <laughs> or just having some sort of movie-based adventure, oh. we go to Thrill Ford Ace Trucking. I, I feel... Yeah, put in the title card. Yeah, script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner's Grant Grover. Art robot Massimo Bellardinelli. Lettering robot Tony Jacob. I just, it's it hasn't been long enough. I'm a bit garped out, man. And this one, it's a lot of text. I agree, man. I, I, I also feel pretty garped out. And while this uh, capping things off by going to Hollywood worked for DR and Quinch, I don't know if it's going to work for Ace Trucking. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's one particular shot that I that I love the most, which is you know Rambo getting his butt shot. Yeah, shot in the butt. Yeah, but like a lot of I'm gonna let you get to it. It's just there's so many words crammed into every single fucking possible place. Yeah, no, the uh, the the jokes per minute or per inch of uh, column space is very thick in this in this section. So okay. Yeah. <laughs> Time for a new Ace Trucking story. This one's about Hollywood. And like Fox said, honestly, I'm getting pretty garped out at this moment. But we do get a new character coming in. Evil Guts. Not to be confused with the lesser evil blood. Well, that's that was in a different reality, you know? Um, <laughs> this guy looks the, a lot more badass. I'm it's sorry. true. Yeah. The gang is at the uh, the DC used lug lot. And I was sort of wondering if this would be a reference to like DC Comics or something, but I couldn't really see it. Hmm. Um, they're looking for a lug to basically pile our ace, ace one aboard so we can drive it into a sun and get back to his own reality because even <laughs> the rest of the ace trucking crew are feeling garped out and just want to get back to one instead of two. <laughs> get him on this POS. It looks like it's going to go. Um, cause again, we see Feek and GVH both really hate our ace when suddenly a new figure shows up. It's evil guts. I really and, don't like Ace Garp, but now there are two Ace Garps. That's awesome. 
<laughs> but it's like you said, yeah, he's way bigger and buffer than uh, Evil Blood, his alternate reality uh, thing. And to me, this kind of looks like a version of uh, of a like a pirate version of the character Lobo, which is also yes. what me got, got me thinking that the DC thing was a reference oh, to DC Comics because Lobo is a DC Comics character as well. Interesting. Um, anyhow, Guts attacks Ace One, notices that he's had his point cut off, and Ace One sort of explains the whole situation about the alternate realities and evil blood and stuff, and Guts cuts off Ace's point a bit more just to sort of round off his head and stuff, you know, make it a smoother cut. <laughs> well, and like, it goes about boasting forever about how great he is and how bad evil blood is and weak and all this whatever yeah it's goes on for like a too long it's true um so yeah anyhow enough with this violence guts has an offer for ye an offer ye can't refuse yar and as he does like a, a gene simmons tongue thing He's got some tongue stuff going on and like some like things coming yeah. out of the side of his head or like some like oh, head yeah. tentacle stuff yeah that's weird so it looks like Evil Guts has a treasure map, and he needs the crew's help to dig it up. So they're headed to Earth. Oh, Earth. What's Spe- there? Specifically the state of Moviola, where everybody's crazy. He'll give the Garbs 10% if they help him, and he won't kill him, which seems like a good deal. And naturally, of course, the Aces start scheming of how they're going to actually take out Guts and take all the money for themselves. Naturally. Um. Not a good plan, I'm sure. Guts, meanwhile, has GVH go to get some mining supplies and like mugs with his name on it and the like. And once the Bippo's <laughs> gone, Guts has the, has the ship take off, so GVH can't just easily like kick his ass and end this story right away. <laughs> thanks for thanks for fixing that up for us, comic book. I will say that is a savvy move on Guts's part. You know, something we yeah. were complaining about previously. So I guess now they've decided to try try to find some way to address it. I do like they how came to the future read our minds and then went back to the past i do like how guts specifically says get me a mug with my name on it <laughs> as part of the supplies that's such a that's such a ridiculous evil thing to request yes especially if you've got a weird name that that that's never on mugs or bracelets or anything be it evil, guts evil guts be it evil guts or conrad for that matter you bastards oh, man. um <laughs> i mean spencer i can barely ever find anywhere I've never seen a Conrad like ever. Um, yeah. I get I get angry about it, but not 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 that much because I don't care that much, honestly. I want my tchotchkes to have my fucking name on it, man. Is that so much to ask? Apparently, yes. After some light threatening, Feek agrees to let the ship take off, and we're headed out on an adventure. So the ghost approaches Earth, um, and it's a weird, you know, the planet's weird. No place is weirder than mm. the state of, of a Moviola. I want to say also that a fo- <sighs> that a that a Ace says that he met a human once, bit his nose off, which I always love a reference <laughs> to. Did he did bite that honker off before going into the sun? Yeah. So I should mention that the narration boxes for this whole story have taken on some very movie-based tones. Like sort of each story, yeah. each um, prog has like a scene one or scene two. There's like or a dissolve two long shot as ghost comes in and blah 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 blah. Exactly. So they land at the high noon spaceport, and when they land, Guts explains that his map has a problem, because it's got the X of the map, but not where the X is. It's sort of a good, the bad, and the ugly sort of situation, where everybody's mm-hmm. got part of the, got a, got an important part of the map, so they all have to work together with it, you know? Mm. Um, so he's got to get the other half of the map, 
and he knows the, who has it, but they live in uh, Rambo County, so they got to head out there. So they, we uh, got to get through Cowboy County first, or whatever it's called. Yeah, they hire a buggy pod, which is basically just a self-driving uh, horse-drawn wagon, and the crew heads out. Cute. And this whole place is just wall-to-wall movie references. We got Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid having a gunfight. And as they do, Guts explains that California was hit by a reality bomb, making everybody think that they're all living in one movie or another. Like the doctors, and not even like doctors can help them because doctors just think they all got to, or doctors end up all in in the town where the medical dramas are because it's just living uh, doctor (laughs) movies because everybody has sort of clustered together based on what movie they think they're in, essentially. Oh, God. So basically Uh, nothing gets done in a hospital. Nope. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of like people sleeping together and having arguments, you know, like I think uh, once someone says, when we make mistakes, people die at least like once every two hours or so. Um, It's fantastic. Or there's just like a little kid who's just always been sick and still is sick. And it's we we can't figure out what's wrong with them because it's not leukemia. Ooh, Dr. House would be there, too. Yeah. Solving random problems. Statistically, it actually is lupus like 0.1 percent of the time. (laughs) Just the law of averages. It never is lupus until it's it's fucking lupus. You I know? mean, there was there was that one episode of House where it was lupus, and everybody learned yeah. about the importance of never saying never. But anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> the crew piles into the wagon and heads out. They're soon misidentified by some cavalry types as a Geronimo and have to run. Like the one thing that I um, or one really bright spot is how insanely Bellardinelli draws horses in this in this place. Oh, of course, they're just crazy cartoon horses that are pretty good. Our guys outrun the riders, and Guts explains that they're going to the next destination, Rambo County. Which, all right then. Yeah, the uh, the the so the crew heads out is headed out on the honky tonk freeway as everyone I know that lives in Northern California objects to being compared to Los Angeles. <laughs> like, <laughs> like all of all of California doesn't make movies, man. That's just like LA, like San Francisco. We're like a whole other place, man. We got like dot coms and no one has a soul. It's awesome. Not to the rest of the world, man. <laughs> Like the rest of the world is like California. That's where the movies happen. San Diego's like what, <laughs> dude? And <laughs> and Humboldt's like that for a whole different reason. So it's good times oh, for big oh parts God. of California. J- jokes it, just for Californians here. Dude, <laughs> and Santa Cruz is just a giant plume of smoke at this point. Yeah, exactly. So uh, they're on this big, like, mega highway, which is very all of California, frankly. The off-ramps of the highway, though, are all references. There's all seven Hope and Crosby Road 2 movies, plus Streets of Laredo, Peyton Place, and Mean Streets. Mm. Uh, They take the off-ramp to the Road to Utopia, which is when uh, Hope and Crosby went to Alaska, and (laughs) pass through St. Triniansburg, which I guess is a reference to the British cartoon series Saint, Saint Trinians, which is about a bunch about a no good about a bunch of no good cartoon kids. Oh, okay. They uh, head through Zuluville, which is merf- mercifully brief. They go through a <laughs> charge of the Light Brigade, Garden City, Planet of the Apes under Lime, and eventually Rambo County. And you know, a lot of this stuff is some really great um, Bellardinelli art, especially Planet of the Apes. I think. Oh yeah, and big time. I, and, and I love how all these uh, all these towns in in uh, future California have extremely English names. <laughs> yeah, know? like. 
we do not have anything coming approximately close to these. There's nothing under lime in America, if you ask no. me. <laughs> right? I've certainly never seen it. Or a garden city, I guess. Or a mm. super mayor, for that matter. But anyhow. Uh, <laughs> Rambo County is, of course, super violent, full of Sil- Sylvester Stallone's killing people with giant guns. Uh, one of them shows up and the aces shoot shoot the Rambo right in his butt, like one in each cheek. More like Spambo, which... Wow. I'll say, I don't get, like, what? Like I, I guess no, maybe I, just, I never really noticed Stallone's butt that much, I guess. That spam, you'd be, spam and eggs? Is that, that like you, a thing? Well, because we've seen multiple times that, like, C, Ace Trucking uh, CB Radio, like, refers to eggs as the butt, as the butt cheeks. Yeah, when it should definitely be something else, but that's fine. And plus, like, I feel like most bipedial aliens have butt cheeks, but they not all of them have testicles just one way or another, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, we've had this conversation. We've had this, we've had this discussion. <laughs> 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 Yeah, so I don't um, get Spambo either. I yeah. do not at all no. get this. Exactly. The crew swings by, bridge over the the River Kwai Bridge, and the guys just start talking about what town they live in. Feek wants uh, to go to a carry-on Barbara Windsorville or Raquel Welch City. Hard to disagree. Suddenly, a pair of warplanes swoop in. Pip-pip and tally-ho. The crew's wagon explodes, and they're flying through the air. Hey, where is this buddy of yours, Evil Guts? Yeah, like, what the fuck is even going on? Yeah. Next time, the Green Berets take two. Yeah. Yeah, this is just sort of like a road trip kind of thing where they're trying to find the rest of the map. And I think we'll get more more map development next episode. It does feel a bit Wally World, if you know what I mean. I mean, it is one of these things where we've seen – I mean, we've definitely seen this a couple times in these comedy strips – where sometimes there isn't really enough like of a funny plot, so instead they just sort of go through a bunch of different funny places, and there's caricatures and all that stuff, you know. <laughs> Which, I mean, I okay, I know that there's some artists out there. Caricatures are like for me, it's like the lowest form. <laughs> I'm well, sorry, for me, I it's can't just deal. For me, it's just tough because it's all caricatures of stuff from like 1986. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've seen like. Bridge over the River Kwai, as an example, but yeah. it's not like the it's not like a thing. I, I don't know. That's that wasn't a movie from the eighties, was it? It was like nineteen seventy something. No, but I mean, it's still a reference that you'd get if you're kind of making old timey references, or like references that you feel like you're sure kids would get in nineteen eighty six. You know, yeah. it's like how nowadays you might make something from like the mid two thousands or something like that. You know what I mean? What kid is watching Bridge over the River Kwai? It's I feel like, like you would. But like, but you can tell that they assume kids haven't because they don't really go in depth into uh, the joke about it, right? The joke is just the name, at, and kids would have heard the name. You see what I'm talking I about? I got you. Yeah, it's all just reference. Okay, I'm there yeah. with you. I'm tacking. Yeah, it's not a parody. It's just a reference. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so it's worse. It's kind of worse. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Conrad. Because like, because like. DR and Crinch go to Hollywood. That was a parody, and you know, and oh so you yeah, can, it was you can fantastic. See, so you can see the difference. You know what I'm what what I mean? You know, Anyhow, yeah, I <laughs> I love this conversation. <laughs> I just want to say that uh, anyhow, let's improve our luck here, Fox. Okay. With through five, strontium dog.
Oh, it's time for a rampage. Rampage right. continued. Yeah, ra- rage forever. Script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner is Grant Grover. Art robot Carlos Escara, lighting robot Gordon Robson. Or, you know, when I land Robinson. on a massive planet, the first thing that I do is I check in with the cops, and then I get myself a sweet-ass puffer bike. I mean, you would if you were a bounty hunter. I mean, that's what Dog the Bounty Hunter did before he got arrested that time in Mexico, right? <laughs> oh, my God, what? I can't. I, 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 I can't derail the show any further. Um, <laughs> Johnny Alpha has arrived in Dragon's World, but his quest is far from over because it's a big old planet full of settlements with a bunch of different types with outer law, law enforcement. So it's real hard to find out where Max Bubble would be. It's going to be a chore finding his gang. He, Johnny buys a hover cycle and starts working his way through just sort of the open world of this particular video game. He uh, travels from town to town, asking questions, doing side quests, moving on. In one town, he seems to have found an informant, but it's just a bunch of thugs trying to steal the reward money he's offering. I love the way that he deals with it, which is... I see them through the door. I kick the guy who's trying to get my money through the door. They beat the shit out of him. I beat the shit out of them. I leave. Yeah, it's a good move. You know, the I just want you know you know I went through this one pretty fast, but the writing here is really great. As is the art, oh, yeah. just depicting what a gigantic job it is and just how laborious it is. Sort of like searching a whole planet to find like one or two guys, you know, well, and how it's twenty million square miles that yeah, he's got to go through. Gigantic, and it's really just Johnny's rage that keeps him going at it. I, I love it because it's uh, it's like the second. Uh, Prague, maybe? Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, it's taking a long time, but that's just like basically percolating his exactly. rage Yeah, totally. Yeah, we see him <laughs> traveling on his hover bike over an ocean. He's got cool bug- cool goggles on. He goes over like, yeah, seas and mountains. On a new continent, Johnny heads to a, to a mining settlement and finds a geo-rig on fire. He investigates and sees that the whole crew is dead and the place is deserted. He looks back at the security tapes and sees a gang of hooded bandits attacking the rig, brutally killing the crew. Could it be Bubba's gang? Maybe. Mm. Johnny rides into a dust storm as he pursues the bandit, his rage bubbling over. Oh, man. It's so good. So much rage. So much rage. Johnny arrives at Blake's mine and comes under fire from an automated laser system. He blasts the fence and states his business. He's a... He's here about a recent uh, raid that he just saw. Johnny's let in and meets the mine foreman, Dex Devro, and the mine owner as well. We learn that the that they mine Carrington Crystal here, and that the whole mine has been constantly raided by a gang called the Muni Riders. Not great. They've been re- strangling the mine in hopes of getting protection money, but the mine owner won't give in to the extortion. They've been at it for six weeks, which would fit into the timeline of the Bubba gang that Johnny's been following. It could be them! He, this, uh, I like how they, they mention something here where it's like, uh, you know, are you sure that they're mutants? Why else would they call themselves the Muty Raiders? And that, that was the first part where Fox got his tingly sense of just like, yeah, it's probably not them. And Johnny's like, I can give a couple reasons, frankly. He's pitted on mutants. Seems pretty easy. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, no, we don't want people to think we're mutants as we're doing these evil crimes. You know, like, we're cool dudes. Yeah. We, <laughs> we definitely want them to pinpoint that we could be somebody affiliated with this whole mess. Yeah. Uh, Johnny see, th- thinks that this seems like pretty small stuff for the Bubba gang, but they might be lying low so they can only do small level crimes or something. Mm-hmm. 
Johnny offers to help the miners, just basically send out another convoy. And this time Johnny will be aboard it and he'll take care of them raiders. Awesome. So we open up some crystals. Yeah. There's a convoy of auto driving trucks headed through Dragon's World. Johnny Alpha hiding in the bed of the rear truck. The Muty Bandits prepared to attack (laughs) and they seem to know where Johnny is. They've got inside info. Well, and he's also monologuing out yeah. loud as the trucks are driving. I no, feel as like they're, they're going to know you're there. Yeah. As they're driving, Johnny has started to rant deliriously. He's calling out the Bubba gang. He hallucinates all of them. And then himself is a grim reaper on a skeletal horse coming to harvest their souls. Oh, it's real cool. He's freaking the fuck out. Yeah. Suddenly, a ghost wolf who we saw last episode speaks to Johnny and says, Something's wrong. And that gives Johnny a chance to get to action and avoid being ambushed by these raiders right away. But he still Damn. can't think straight. He's seeing double. Feels like he's drunk. He's only able to... T- but, he, you know, of course, he's still Johnny Alpha, so he does take down some of the bandits. <laughs> he's still just like the most badass mutant ever. Yeah. Yeah, you've, you've like, you know, you've taken him down to like uh, 85% of maximum, but he's still way better than you, jerks. <laughs> awesome. He, uh, he, uh, we flash back and we see the foreman, Devro, said there must be a traitor in the mining camp sending info to the bandits. There's no way to know who, but Johnny remembers then the decks didn't warn him about the effects of being in proximity to Carrington Crystal, so he must be the infi- inside man and he set Johnny up to be killed. Next time, Dex Snacks. <laughs> oh. Snack and Dex. Yeah. Man, I love some good rage. It's always Definitely. Just, getting a strontium dog is just like that delicious creamy center of this goddamn comic right now. Yeah, it's a great final uh final thrill for the issue for sure. Yeah, and I just really like how I, I feel like you know, his rage was at a low boil, like sort of in the earlier parts when he was getting information mm. on Milton Keynes or when he was aboard that ship or whatever. But now that he's on the planet and, you know, presumably getting closer and closer, even though he's getting more and more frustrated as he gets false positives, like his rage, he's just so angry. And now we just, we're really just seeing the narration really depict him as just being like his mind only has one focus and it's, you know, taking out Bubba and his gang. Well, and I think it really helps that, like, again, they they just don't put a lot of words into things. They give you, you know, kind of a Mm -hmm. lot at the beginning, just so it kind of sets the stage. But then the rest of the comic, it's so blank and you're just kind of taking in what he's doing and his movements and like how he's, I mean, like I took a second just to watch, like look at him pistol whip a guy and then punch the other dude. And it's just like, damn, like things are going on and it's like, it's fast, it's paced. As scared as a lot of stuff, a, a lot of little stuff. I feel like with Johnny's like face and body language to really communicate mm-hmm. that just how like angry and murderous he is all the time. That's oh, fucking fantastic. I love Strontium Dog. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, totally. And speaking of guys on quests, Fox, it's th- thrill six sooner or later. <sighs> Time to take our acid tablet and trip out in the fucking far future. <laughs> Always. Script robot Peter Milligan, art robot Brendan McCarthy, letter robot Tom Frame. Okay. So at the end of last episode, Swifty didn't lit- levitate away from those uh, sweet, murderous Sweeney Todd guys. Instead, he was grappling hooked away by a cool sky car driven by a guy named Cockburn. He offers Swifty lunch, and Swifty agrees as he makes stomach rumbling sound effects. Which, all right, let's go get some food. It'll be yeah. kind of easy, right? Cockburn takes Swifty to a giant restaurant, but it's less of a food place. 
and more of a staging ground for a military assault. <laughs> Swifty is enlisted in a raid on the food mountains. Only the greediest will survive. There's no free lunches in either city. What the fuck, man? Before the assault on the food mountain, there's some spare time as I guess the attackers work out paperwork with the guardians of food mountain. And uh, Cockburn, yeah, I don't know. Cockburn offers to send a letter from Swifty to his buddy Clinton back in the past. It seems that if you know the right people, you can break all kinds of, of uh, time-based rules. Good times. Okay. <laughs> um, finally, there's a mid-prog sooner or later in 478. Clinton is confused when his buddy Swifty suddenly disappears, but then is visited by an employee of the Temporal Post with a letter from Swifty. And now, the mailman's too tired to deliver a letter to Archduke Ferdinand. Ah, it couldn't have been that important. Um, Swifty recap. So, in the letter, Swifty recaps his adventures so far, which is good because it's been pretty confusing. Um, he sort yeah. of <laughs> straightened things out, but basically he's been recruited by the Scarab Illuminati to pass some tests and get a big job to overthrow the city. Clinton then bumps into some kind of skinheady jerks who push him around. And we see that Swifty has sent a photo back, which Clinton is to give to that chick, Wendy. It's him in front of the crazy food mountains, which he is about to assault. All right. I like that they uh, they do Bill and Ted rules for this. Yeah. Although it, it would have been better, like, why didn't he just send himself a letter in the past so he didn't exist in the future? I feel like he couldn't yeah. stop himself from being pulled into the future, you know? You never know. It's true. I guess not. But, you know, we only have one le one or two letters. It's hard to start experimenting with causality, I guess. <laughs> That's fair. should just let my friend know, even though it's been 900 whatever years. I think it's good to let the people around you know that you've been caught in a time warp, Fox. I would let you know if, like, I, you know, I, I definitely send you, send you a time letter being like, hey, man, podcast's <laughs> off. I'm, I'm stuck in the future. <laughs> Listen. I mean, like, if you were busy, I would understand, right? Like, I'd, I'd, you know, take your time getting me the letter. I guess you wouldn't have to, because then it would just be sent to me when you wanted it to be, yeah. probably. I mean, listen, if I thought I was going to be caught in the future, Fox, I'd send you, like, the passwords to things and, like, let you, you know, at least wash my hands of it so you could <laughs> do the show if you wanted to. Luckily, well, that, I'm in the that, future. Yep. Oh, that means that you could listen to all of our episodes, including what I would have done, and then send me letters into the past to alter those things. Oh, listen, like, <laughs> if you don't God at least do it. one or two episodes after I disappear to the future, Fox, I'm going to be super pissed. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Call someone to help you, Fox. You can do it, I, all right? I, I will. I, look, I'll ask, like, I don't know. I have to find somebody who really just has no idea about comic books, because then... I'm uh, the one who's the comic book yeah, specialist. I feel like I feel like you should find another Conrad instead of trying to become Conrad yourself, buddy. <laughs> what? I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna insult you by saying that, but I feel like that's important. <laughs> <laughs> I need to find I listen. I have read at least four hundred and seventy eight of these fucking things. Yeah. That is out of out of twenty one hundred, buddy. <laughs> okay. Oh, we don't have to like put numbers and percentage signs to things i right. am clearly an expert that's true yeah let's okay yeah In no one sure specific thing yeah find your own fox man i'm not i don't want to tell you what to do i'm not you know i'm trapped in the future i can't like change i can't tell you what to do <laughs> oh my god fantastic anyhow speaking of uh ridiculous science fiction situations fox oh uh, yeah 
It's Thrill 7 Future Shocks. In a rare form. I didn't hate these. Nice. Uh, so the first one's called Some People Never Listen. Script robot Grant Morrison. Art robot Barry Kitson. Lettering robot Jack Potter. And, you know, so with Anderson just ended and Bad City Blue did it as well. So, and our next round of thrills are about a month off. So we're about to get some future shocks going on here, Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them by Grant Morrison here. I'd say it's not terrible, but it may be a lot of future shocks. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Oh. Um, this one here starts with a sci-fi warrior in a space jungle complaining that no one on the ship listens to him when he finds the rest of the crew dead in the jungle. He's then attacked by little aliens and he runs back to a ship, but aboard the ship he's attacked by a giant murder monster. And it turns out that the little aliens were trying to warn him about the big one. I guess some people never listen. I mean, we've seen this before, for sure. Yeah, maybe don't try to communicate by biting someone's head with your razor-sharp teeth. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Like, I, well, maybe that's just how they communicate, but I'm not going to go Star Trek on this one. Well, I'm just saying, if that's how you communicate, don't be exasperated when people don't pick it up, all right? Um, I know, anyhow, right? Like, uh... <laughs> Next up, it's it's my favorite one of this uh, of this episode. Yes. So clearly. Yeah. The shop that sold everything. Scripter about Grant Morrison. Art about John Stokes. Letter about Tom Frame. And this feels like a very Alan Moore kind of one. Like Mm -hmm. this Grant Morrison very channeling um, Alan Moore for me. At Beale's Omni Mart, they sell everything. And the awesome Siva Goth, Lord of the Atom Heart, is here to put that to the test. If he can name something that Beale doesn't have, then he'll melt him. The shop owner agrees, and it seems he really does have everything, from a singing carpet to a little blue thing that goes whoop on alternate Thursdays. <laughs> I mean, he had the bar of soap with his mom's name. Siva's Go- yeah, Goth's name on a uh, mom's name on the bar. Yeah, it's awesome. Finally, like he's even got a shapeshifter beast from Robana, the deadliest being in the cosmos. Indeed, it's a shapeshifter, so it's the couch Shiva Goth is sitting on right now. And it <laughs> <Whoops>. eats him. <laughs> Later, another customer comes in with a similar bet. It's no problems, Beale says. He's the shopkeeper with everything, even the Adam Heart of Shiva Goth. <laughs> I mean, like. I feel like he is the secret ruler of the universe. <laughs> he just Definitely, like slowly yeah. gets these people to come in and just get their shit. That's right. Yeah. Listen, sometimes you should just like buy the uh, buy the buy, buy the cheap watch you want and get out. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> Whatever machine that goes whoop on alternate Thursdays. That like, thing sounds great. Like that whooping. Plus, they had a bunch of different yeah. colors as well, which is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, final one's just a quick one. It's called Video. Uh, script about John Smith. Art about Jeff Sr. One pager, no words, so there's no lettering bot. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> a kid puts a video called House Calls into their VCR and is suddenly attacked by a monster. Then the monster appears on the TV with the kid's head. Explain this to me. I do not understand what this means. Now you're never going to be able to rewind that tape. <laughs> <laughs> Was I mean, I guess that's the most likely punchline. No, but I mean that the the story's called house calls, right? So it means that the monster in the video paid a house call to the kid and killed them, and then went back into the movie. Your joke was better. I mean, you know, I feel like the be kind rewind thing had not become enough of a meme yet in 1986 to really be a big thing. You know, (laughs) that's fair. All right, well. 
Yeah. Good times. Hey, Fox. Yeah, we've now finished uh, uh, 2080 for June and July 1986. Brought 475 to 478. Oh, man. Getting real close to Prog 500 now, Fox. Real close. Yeah. Prog 500 fever. Can you catch it? And speaking of which, I've got one. I've got another question for you, which is what we were talking about on Thrills. Oh, dude, super easy. So first off, Strontium Dog is a firm top. Like, yeah, it's a it's a little slower this time, but the buildup is real, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, it's just... It, I was really excited to get to it, like, fucking at every single, like, mm-hmm. point of my, my reading session, right? But I do want to throw out some special mentions uh, to Judge Dredd, specifically by Kev O'Neill, because it was fucking beautiful, and it's mm-hmm. awesome, and just, like, like visceral. Um, and then, like, another little special mention for Anderson's side division. Um, it ended okay, but, like, you know, I love me some Anderson. In terms of bottom, man, ooh, boy, Bad City blows. Bad City blues. <laughs> De- definitely definitely at the bottom just for, like, I mean, we've talked about this already ad nauseum, but, like, man, am I disappointed at where this thing could have gone, especially with... Like, the design and the setup was just so neat. And uh, mm-hmm. special, not-so-special mention to fucking Ace Trucking Company. I'm, I'm looking at you guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a shot. I'm going to say that this, these last four, it's just, you know, you really wanted to get a lot of words out. And maybe next time it'll have some stuff in it where I'm not just, like, taking anywhere between, like, 30 and 45 minutes just to get through all of your goddamn dialogue. Not that sure. I don't appreciate it, because I, like, because I, I like Ace Trucking so much. I'm just like, I'm trying to decide whether or not it's just like I'm because I'm garped out. I don't want to shit on it too hard. It's so cute. <laughs> anyway, man. So that's that's, that's my blathering done. Why don't you give me a little bit of information? We'll we'll make this a trade. You tell me what your top and bottom thrills are, and if I accept them, I won't uh, make you into goo with this gun. Oh, man, I don't want to be goo, buddy. I better think carefully. And I think because of that, I'm going to make the very easy choice, which is to completely agree with what you said. (laughs) Really? No, um, I mean, man, like, yeah. Um, I mean, I do... Like I do think it's kind of bold for Bad City Blue to end with those with the planet mm. blowing up. Like that's pretty solid. But yeah, like the decision to go like four hundred percent future speak with uh with with the character of Blue halfway through, not a great one. Um, and similarly, just yeah, like I don't know. I just liked it when it was some guy flying around with, like, brass knuckle guns, you know? And now it's got all this other stuff. And I'm like, ah, not so much. And, I mean, it is very much par for the course, but it does kind of feel like they just kind of want, like, like this ain't working. Let's just pull the ripcord here, you know? Well, I mean, the ripcord being a black hole, which is awesome. Yeah. But, like, also, they could have just told a, a good story and then had it suddenly end by black hole because it was being mentioned in the background or whatever. Like, the black yeah. hole thing could have stepped in at any point, and we would have been like, what? Or awesome. Yeah. But in this, we're just like, okay, cool. Glad it's over. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think it's that it's it's that great. And I mean, I think that's sort of borne out the way that a lot of people think just because of the, like, you know, the fact that it hasn't been collected and stuff like that. Mm. Um, interesting. I'd be interested also to see sort of, I think you talked about this last episode, an idea of like, like maybe someone else taking another crack at it as like a prequel or something yeah. like that. I'd like to see that. 
but definitely one of the weaker comics in here. Although, like you said, like, yeah, Ace Trucking's on notice at this point. Like, you're, you're in trouble, <laughs> mister. There's a lot of real good stuff in here, and you are not doing that well. Which is a bummer, mm-hmm. because this is sort of the swan song of Ace Trucking. So, you know, oh, but really? I think, honestly, like so many of these humor strips, or actually a lot of these strips, like, when they kind of, like, when these ones that have been going on for a long time, like, I think it's interesting how we ourselves get tired of them when they're about to go, just because it means that it, it makes it feel like a very right choice by editorial to sort of uh, 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 cut them, you know? I'm just saying part of it's also knowing when one is too, one more is too many. Yeah, you know? that's fair. And then uh, for my top, yeah, man, I love just the narration in Strontium Dog, just how, um, just just talking about like how just constantly monitoring Johnny's rage and how it ebbs and flows is really great and a really interesting way to talk about this character out for revenge. And then like the idea of the monumental task of just sweeping a whole planet to find somebody is crazy as well. Although he's just doing it. Yeah. I also want to give props to to, uh, Cy Judge Anderson. I really like that one having a hard decision to kill the kid and stuff. I think it was a really good one and a really cool one that'll echo through, uh, through, 2000 AD from here on out. So that's really neat. Um, and yeah, man, I liked uh, I liked Dread too. I'm 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 really stoked how into Kev O'Neill you are, Fox, because we're about to get oh, just like like if this was like sort of like a cut, stepped on, diluted Kev O'Neill because it also had to have all this Judge Dread stuff. We're maybe like ten progs away from um, this story by Kevin by uh, Pat Mills and Kev O'Neill. That's just one hundred percent unadulterated, crazy ass Kev O'Neill. That's just oh. gonna like black tar heroin, Kev O'Neill. That's gonna really just blow your mind. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about it. Okay, I want that as a shirt: black tar heroin, Kev O'Neill. <laughs> Absolutely, this is next evolutionary form. Always, yeah. So I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacespinner2k. Everything else, look up spacespinner2000, and we should be there. Come back next time as Judge Dredd works out, Johnny Alpha gets answers, Ace Trucking meets the critics, Swifty meets Sweeney, and we'll start the new chapter of Nemesis the Warlock, Torque of Murder. Ooh, Torque of Murder. That's, yeah, that's great. I'm very excited about it. Until then, I'm Conrad East Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Spongy. 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 Spongy.